Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Hey, what if your home's title, which is the legal document that proves you own your home, is in some criminal's name? Well, that's called home title theft, and criminals all over the world can find your home's title online, and then they'll forge your signature, they'll take out loans against your home, or even worse, sell your home. Now, how do you know some criminal is not taking over the title to your home? You can find out with sign up at HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code Sean, S-E-A-N. Now, nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter of a tank of gas if you're lucky. You know what it will get you, though? For just $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk and text and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Make the switch today, and if you do it today, you save an additional 50% off your first month. They use the same 5G network, same cell towers as the big carriers, and most families saving close to $1,000 a month. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, that's Sean, S-E-A-N. Make the switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. Okay, winter is on the way, and if you listen to this show, you know there's only one product that I absolutely rely on when I get a sore throat or a scratchy throat, and that's the delicious Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, it's the only throat drop that is ranked number one in throat coating action, number one. And I mean, you can literally feel it, that coating of your throat with their gum acacia, their plant glycerin, and of course, their delicious natural flavors. Now, they're amazing. My favorite is wild cherry and licorice. I also love the honey and licorice. Now, I've turned a lot of people onto Pine Brothers. You want to know the first three things that come out of their mouth? One, they're delicious. I can feel them coat my throat, and wow, they're soft, almost like a gummy bear. Yeah, I know they're soft. That's why they're called Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, work with me, people. So this season, look, you're going to have some throat issues and do what I do to soothe my golden throat. I use Pine Brothers Throat Drops. You will love this product. It's worth every penny. You can find Pine Brothers at CBS, Select, Walmart, Target, ShopRite. Why? Because they are the best. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. It's Mark Simone here for Sean. We've got lots to talk about. We'll get to Donald Trump. Latest cabinet picks. We'll get to uh, Hillary Clinton, what she's got up her sleeve. We'll get to uh, President Obama. Where does he go? What does he do next? We'll get to the Hatchimal. We'll get to all kinds of things. Uh, and I heard that Hillary, uh, she said, I just want to uh, curl up with my dog and a good book and uh, never leave the house again. <laughs> we'll take that deal. Okay. <laughs> now, it's a rented dog that they just use in those pictures. You remember that hiking picture? where in the most amazing coincidence in the history of the world, they run into one person on this 30-foot hike that they went on. Then the one person happens to be somebody who worked for the campaign, had been a campaign donor, and she puts it up on Facebook. Here's Hillary with this rented dog with this coat that says, uh, you know, the hiking clothes that have the price tags hanging off them. And uh, you can still see the, the, like the creases in them. They just came out of the bag. They haven't been worn yet. So, uh, and what book is she curling up with? (laughs) 
It's, a, it's the Forbes uh, magazine. She's looking through the 400 list for new donors. For You know what I hear. This is the only thing I've heard. She's looking at, and I'm not kidding, it's just on the drawing board, just thinking about it, looking at running for mayor of New York. That's uh, coming up next year, the election for mayor of New York. Hey, remember a long time ago, Bill Clinton talked about it briefly. He thought about it for a second. It's not for him. He's the next president. But she uh, cannot, uh, despite what she says, stay at home. She has no private life at all, nothing to return to. You know, you got to give those Bushes credit. They go back to the private life. They love it. They love their family. They stay home. They're happy. Uh, you know, Bush Sr. with the cigarette boat driving around Maine in the water. He's, he's happy. And you've got to admire people. They're really happy, enjoy their lives. But uh, these Clintons cannot go away. Now, Bill Clinton can return to uh, a private life. He has uh, a hobby he enjoys. <laughs> but uh, she has nothing to go back to. No private life. There's nothing she enjoys doing except money, greed, and power. Uh, doesn't have a lot of friends. Well, she has a lot of friends. Nobody she wants to actually hang around with. So she's got to run for something. Not to mention, for business purposes, that Clinton Foundation, if she's not ever running for anything, she's not going to hold any office, uh, you're not going to see any donations coming into that Clinton Foundation ever again. So she's got to look busy. Now, I think it's pretty obvious to everybody, uh, probably even her now, that she will never be president of the United States. It's impossible uh, I hate to bring this up. How old is she? 70? She'll be 74 next time. Uh, and let's face it, this time she had a, like, instead of a campaign bus that we're using an ambulance. I mean, at 74, she's not going to be campaigning for president. So, And I think she's realized, I think it's even uh, sunk in with her, that this is not for her. The first time out, a rookie beater. Second time out, a total amateur. Never even, never even run before beats her. So I think she's starting to realize she. Just doesn't have what it takes. So, uh, but that mayor of New York, just keep that in mind. That's something to watch out for. Uh, Donald Trump cabinet picks uh, going on all day. I, you know, uh, we've kind of lost our media. It's sad in a way. You know, the New York Times always leaned left. The Washington Post and NBC, CBS, they always leaned to the left, and you didn't mind that. It was okay, uh, you because know, you, you you just accepted it. it was part of life. But then in the last two years, something changed. Maybe Trump just drove them over the edge, and it's not about leaning left. It's about creating entirely fake stories, just false narratives, and just print them. The New York Times, Washington Post prints them. That's the go-ahead for everybody else, Lester Holt, all these liars, George Stephanopoulos, all these uh, fake people can just quote the New York Times. So, that, for instance, they'll just make up something. Uh, problem with Donald Trump, he doesn't read. He never reads. Well, anybody that knows Donald Trump, it's like a joke. This is all he does is read. In fact, if you go into his house, you can tell where he was sitting. Just look for the pile of papers and reports and books. This is all he does is read. He has a nice staff. There's a one woman. That's all she does. Pick up these newspapers and the stuff that he leaves all over the place. Go on the plane. You can tell what seat he was in. Just look for the pile of papers and stuff. Then you, the other one was, uh, he doesn't listen. He just doesn't listen. Hey, talk to anybody that's ever been in a meeting. I've been in a lot of meetings with him. He, it's beyond listening. He, like, puts on this sonar, radar. In fact, you have to warn people before they go in. He's going to really look at you like an x-ray machine. He'll listen to every word you say. He'll, he'll hear what you're not saying. He'll read between the lines. And just remember, I always warn people about this. He's going to remember everything. So 14 years later, he'll quote one of those numbers you gave him that wasn't right. So, uh, But they just make up this stuff. There's, um, there's, there's uh, this week the new fake narrative that they created. Transition team in turmoil. What's going on? The chaos in this 
transition team. Why is nothing happening? Let me point out that uh, how many appointments do we have now? Four? We've got Chief of Staff. We've got Bannon. We've got, uh, I guess we can say Flynn, National Security Advisor. Let's say it's Jeff Sessions. There are already four people. They probably got six more ready to go on Monday. This is what, a week and a half? Uh, President Obama and uh, I think it was six weeks before he got to his first nomination. Six weeks before there was even one nomination. President Clinton, President Bush, eight weeks before there was a single nomination. Uh, Donald Trump had some within the first week, more in the second week. And all I read about New York Times, Lester Holt, Washington, the transition team in turmoil. What's going on? Chaos everywhere. Uh, but you, you don't get angry about this. I know a lot of people are having a lot of problems in their life with friends, with family, with uh, Facebook friends. You know, you go on Facebook and you see these posts they put up. Donald Trump, biggest racist in the history of the world. <laughs> and and you, you go look at who put it up and you think you have to make a decision. It's like you're a judge now. Like, huh. Uh, how friendly are am I with them? How how well? How long do I know? You got to decide whether to unfriend them. You got to decide whether to sentence them to unfriending or not. Hey, listen to this. This is uh, Rob Reiner. Now I like Rob Reiner. You can't hate Rob Reiner. Listen, he he put together that big company Castle Rock. You remember Castle Rock Entertainment? They produced Seinfeld. They created a lot of great shows. You know who was a partner in that? Steve Bannon made a lot of money in that Castle Rock. He was a very smart guy back then. So and he was on All in the Family. Ah, you got to love the guy. So what if he's insane? He's completely, I mean, off the rails nuts. Hey, it's a tribute to Donald Trump that he can't go uh, on the air and make a legitimate case against Donald Trump. You could disagree with Donald Trump. I've watched some brilliant people on the air uh, argue about what's wrong. They'll say, you know, he's wrong about the tariffs. That can actually uh, hurt, uh, uh, you know, uh, imports. And you could make a policy argument. But uh, Rob Reiner is not going to make a policy argument. Rob Reiner, what does he know about policy? He's on with Chris Matthews. Uh, <laughs> again, this is a tribute to Trump that he's got to go so off the rails insane. Listen to him trying to make the case against Trump. And I think, you know, unfortunately, uh, we've got a situation where, uh, you know, we've got a, a misogynist, you know, in the White yeah. House. We've got a racist who's also anti-Semitic. And I know people don't like, to, you know, hear those terms. <laughs> Is he really anti-Semitic? Where, say, do you, where did you pick that up? Where, well, yeah, uh, Rob, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where did you pick it yeah, up? Yeah, and I'll tell you why. I'll, I'm going to tell you why, because <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter whether you are uh, uh, discriminating against a black person or a Muslim or a Latino or a Jew, if you are comfortable with the fact that there are groups who hate Muslims, hate Jews, hate Latinos, hate women, if you are comfortable with having those groups support you and you don't in a forceful way say, this is not part of who I am, yeah. then you are basically the Jewish police at the Warsaw Ghetto. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're condoning it. And I've but never what? heard Donald Trump ever say that he was against any of those groups that are supporting him. Well, let's talk about the complexity of that because it is. I don't want to say. I, I think we got the idea. You got to admit that's pretty funny. So, by his own definition, Rob Reiner is anti-Semitic. He's a racist because I never heard him say. I never heard him denounce it. You in there, you Ethan, you're a, a racist anti-Semite. I have not heard you denounce it. I denounce. Ah, too late. I've known you for years. I never heard him denounce it. Not once. <laughs> so, by this Rob, you gotta love him. He's he's a little stupid, but. He's a nice guy. By his own definition, if you don't denounce something, that means you're for it. Now, let's just, 
if he was here, Rob Reiner, you could not explain this to him. He would just go deaf uh, instantly. But uh, let's just go over some facts. Uh, I know the Trump organization pretty well for many, many years. You go to the Trump organization, first thing you notice, it's mostly women. I'm talking about uh, employees, executives. There are more, a higher percentage of female executives in the Trump organization than probably any company in the world. Do you know that when he built Trump Tower, and that's 1984, that's a long time ago, he put a woman in charge of the whole project of the construction. That was unheard of in the construction industry. Nobody had ever done that before. Uh, but it's always been a heavily female organization. Now, Jewish. Well, uh, Trump's family is mostly Jewish. His uh, son-in-law is an Orthodox Jew. His daughter is an Orthodox Jew. All his grandchildren are Jewish. His sons marry Jewish women. Uh, in fact, he's the only Gentile in the entire house. So <laughs> you couldn't have a more Jewish family than the Trump family. But he's anti-Semitic. And the king of all these uh, crazy thoughts, I want you to think about this. This is one of the funniest things in history. He's been called a xenophobe. You know, he hates foreigners. That's all he gets. A xenophobe. He's a xenophobe. You can read this everywhere. He's the only guy in history ever to be accused of being a xenophobe while married to a foreigner. <laughs> That's pretty hard to do. That's, uh, so everybody in the house is Jewish. He's married to a foreigner. The whole company is women. And Rob Reiner, he's a misogynist. He's, you know, I think he just like saying the words. They sound like big words. He's a misogynist. He's a, uh, what else is he? A xenophobe. Oh, and an anti-Semite. Uh, all of the, You know, like um, uh, Steve Bannon. Uh, I don't know this guy as well, but I've known him. He seems like a great guy. Again, he was one of the guys that put Seinfeld together. Well, doesn't sound too anti-Semitic to me. Uh, Breitbart was Jewish. He now runs Breitbart. The guy he put in charge, the senior guy who runs it, is an Orthodox Jew. This doesn't sound like a big anti-Semite to me, but uh, to Rob Reiner, hey, just enjoy it. Don't get mad at anybody. It's Thanksgiving. It's Christmas. Just kind of left. You know, I, I live in the middle of Manhattan. I go to these parties. I went to one the other night. This party was all these Vanity Fair, New York Times writers, and they don't know me that well, but I'm uh, standing there, and each one is coming over to me saying, I've cried every night. I cry every night. How are you feeling? I said, well, it's just not easy. <laughs> and then the next one comes over and says, what are we going to do? And I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> just enjoy it. Just I left. I realized they're miserable. Good for them. Let, let them just be miserable. We'll take some calls in a minute. 800-321-0710 is the number. You know about Hatchimals? You don't? Oh, everybody in the world is trying to get this toy. It's like the most sold-out toy in the world. It's a, like a big egg and a... Oh, you don't know about this? Oh, all over America now. People are killing to get one of these. It's like those Cabbage Patch dolls or those other things. Yeah, I mean... Anyway, we'll get to that and more coming up. Mark Simone here for uh, Sean Hannity. Oh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, Mark Simone NY at Twitter. And we'll take some calls in just a minute. 800-941-SEAN is the number. Information download. Hannity and the breaking news you might have missed today. With Sean's insider information. Sean Hannity. Hey, 
Hey, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. It's Mark Simone here for Sean. Uh, I just put up, uh, I put up a picture of the uh, doorway into the studio here on Instagram, and a number of people wrote, more pictures. So I showed, uh, there's a couple more up. Just what this studio is decorated with, it's very interesting. It's Mark Simone NY at Instagram. Uh, I think you'll like the doorway. I think you'll like uh, what's in the, uh, well, you'll see. Uh, anyway, should we take some calls? Uh, 1-800-941-SEAN is the number. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Donald Trump is in uh, Bedminster. Now, the problem is he's in Trump Tower, which is in right in the middle of the busiest part of Manhattan, 56th and 5th. It is causing a nightmare traffic-wise, pedestrian-wise. So the, it, he really needs to leave at some point. But he is going to go to uh, – he has a, a golf club way out in the more suburban area of New Jersey in Bedminster. Uh, he'll be out there tomorrow. That will ease the congestion in New York. But Mitt Romney is coming to see him. Uh, tomorrow, we don't know what that's all about. But let's go to Lou, who's calling from Virginia. Lou, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Hi, how you doing? I'm surprised I got through. But I'm glad I did. And uh, you, you want to talk about Romney? Uh, you think uh, you think Trump? Yeah, should offer? I just uh, you know I think uh, you know Romney basically stabbed Trump in the back, and I I lost all respect for Mitt Romney during this election, as well as a lot of other people, Glenn Beck and and Colin Powell and a lot of these that basically turned back on Trump. Don't forget Martha Raddatz. Uh, we found out what a liar Lester Holt is. Uh, well, well yeah. it's only a three-hour show. I can't give you all the names. Yeah, yeah. but Romney, I, Trump is a bigger man than I would be because, uh, you know, but I hope he uh, talks to him and basically at the end of the conversation just says you're fired. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. You know, nobody knows that he's inviting Romney to give him a job. Maybe he's going to have a talk with him and then at the end say, did you think I was going to offer you something? You know, media lie. I don't know. There's <laughs> a lot of that going on. Or uh, I think horrible. at some point in the meeting, Trump should lean over and slap Romney and say, you can act like a man, like the Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But Romney, hey, uh, love him or hate him, he's a smart guy. Hey, remember uh, way back when he said Russia's our biggest threat and he was two years ahead of his time on that? So. You know, it wouldn't be wrong to give him something. He's a smart guy. Lou, thanks for calling. Tiffany from Kentucky. Hey, Tiffany. Hello. Donald Trump named his daughter Tiffany. Oh, really? That's interesting. Well, I can see you're choked up about it, but uh, go ahead. Well, I think hers is with an I or a Y, isn't it? No, it's with a it's with a Y. It's named after the store, Tiffany, next door to Trump Tower. Um, mine is Annie. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we don't want to go too fast for you, but uh, go ahead. All right. Well, Trump was talking about how he wants to create more jobs. Yeah. But with more jobs, we're going to also have more businesses. Yeah. And I feel like that's going to create pollution. We should be lucky enough to have that problem, but uh, we'll, we'll work on that. Thanks for calling, Tiffany. Hey, there's like 2,000 protesters in front of Trump Tower, and they're all getting paid. So he's already created jobs. They didn't even start getting these created jobs. Listen, pollution... Uh, you got to watch that. You got to watch that. But more jobs is not a bad thing. Hey, we've got a lot of great guests coming up. Stuart Varney, the great Stuart Varney, will be with us next. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. We'll get to that next.
Breaks, you get the inside story that no one else has. And the behind-the-scenes chatter that the mainstream media doesn't even know about. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean. Normally, I'm uh, here in New York on WOR every morning at 10, 10 to noon. You know how hard it is to get up and be on the radio at 10. This is a more civilized thing here. You wake up at 10 like a normal person. Screw around for a few hours. By uh, 1 o'clock, you go out, and you say, oh, it's sunny out. I missed a nice morning. But uh, uh, no, this is the way. Do we have, oh, we have, uh, Stuart? Oh, okay. Now, the only thing is I'm on at 10 o'clock every morning on the radio, and I wipe out all the competitors. The only thing that holds me back is this Varney and Company. It's on every morning on the Fox News Channel. It's a great show. I, that's one of the first things I watch back on TiVo every night, and he's the smartest guy around. Stuart Varney, how are you? Well, Mark Simone, I'm pretty well, thank you very much indeed. And um, by the way, we're on Fox Business Network. Oh, that's right, Fox Business Network. Fox, Fox Business Simone. Network, which, by the way, is such a great network. You and Lou Dobbs and uh, Neil Cavuto and Maria Bartiromo, that is the business network. And there was another business network, but you've been wiping them out lately. We have been doing very well, I'm very pleased to say. <laughs> we're having fun, Mark. He's killing that saying. other network. <laughs> Hey, uh, uh, Donald Trump, uh, I really think they're going to make it. I mean, just by bringing down the corporate tax, I don't think. Did people ever understand that corporate tax is 15 percent everywhere and 35 percent here? Isn't that a suicidal policy? Yes, it is. And that's that's that we have a, a corporate tax rate of 35 percent. And then some states have a corporate tax rate, which is added on to the 35 percent. The result is. That when American corporations make money overseas, they don't bring it back to America, which subject them to this huge 35% tax. No, they keep it overseas. And at this moment, the big technology companies, I'm talking Microsoft, Google, Apple, the big names in technology, they have somewhere in the region of $2 trillion parked overseas. That's their money. Their profits parked overseas because if they bring it back to America, they pay the swapping great tax rate. So Donald Trump proposes to make the corporate tax rate 15%. That, if he gets it through, and I'm sure he will, will bring some of that money, maybe not all of it, but a big chunk of that money back from overseas. Let's suppose they bring back a third of it. You are now talking somewhere in the region of $700 billion, Hmm. and it comes back to America. Now, some of it might go to dividends. Uh, Some of it might might go to a stock buyback program. But a lot of it would go straight into new investments in the United States. That would be one of the biggest boosters to our economy that I can think of. And if you couple it with a sharp drop in individual tax rates, you're talking about another big boost for our economy. Mark, the reason I supported Trump was for one simple reason, and that is he's got the growth plan. He's the guy that can grow our economy and return America to prosperity. That was my point in supporting him in the first place, and I think he's going to get it done. Mark, we're on the cusp of returning to 4% growth and a little bit more prosperity than we've had for the past eight years. Yeah, we're talking with the great Stuart Varney. Let's just take Apple as an example. Now, they have... $250 $250 billion sitting in a bank in Ireland because the tax is only 12%. If they bring it back here, the tax is 
And I'm watching the chairman of Apple, Tim Cook, he's on 60 Minutes, and the guy says to him, why don't you just bring it back out of patriotism? Now, if he brought it back and paid the extra $55, $60 billion in tax, wouldn't he be sued for the rest of his life for uh, violating his fiduciary responsibility? As a matter of fact, you're right. I mean, I can see a shareholder group getting together and saying, hey, you didn't have to do that. You are voluntarily paying tens of billions of dollars of our money you are paying that to the government, and you don't have to, and we're going to sue you. You're quite right. Fiduciary responsibility. Take care of the owners of the company. The owners of the company are the shareholders. Take care of them. And if you don't, well, you'll get sued. So you've got to bring that tax rate down, and then you'll get some of that money coming back. I think it's a huge stimulus. Remember that word, stimulus? <laughs> We used that for the $800 billion program that President Obama it did, frankly, very, very little. Now we've got the opportunity of a really big stimulus program, which will do a lot for America. Yeah, so part of the Trump plan, and hopefully first 100 days, get that corporate tax down so we're competitive. Then the other thing is regulations. You know, I was talking to the head of a major bank. He said, we have hundreds of millions of dollars. We have billions of dollars sitting there. We can't lend it out. The regulations are killing us now. Well, you're talking about something called Dodd-Frank. Without getting too technical, that is financial regulation passed in the first couple of years after the crash. It was an attempt to control the banks, to control Wall Street. But you can think what you like about whether Dodd-Frank worked or not. But the plain fact is it costs $500 million a year, and the banks have to pay that money to the regulators to be regulated. Now, that's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? That's a lot of money, and it's not going to be made in loans. And they've got these bureaucrats sitting over their shoulder looking at every single thing they do, which puts, we, we call it the dead hand of regulation. Um, some people will think that it was necessary. I personally think it should have been done in a very different way. So if you reform Dodd-Frank, you've got a good shot again at putting some more stimulus into our private sector economy. This is really important stuff, Mark. Yeah. I don't want to get too technical. I know I live in the world of, uh, you know, the, the world of finance. Yes, I do. But it's, it's plain and simple. We must have growth in the private sector of our economy if we want to return to prosperity. And you know, Mark, prosperity is the glue that binds America together, isn't it? When the cake is the same size and you're busy re-slicing it, you fight amongst all the slicing pieces. That's what you do. But if the cake is growing, we all get a little fatter. We're all a little happier. That's the way it works. You know, we, and we've had a dead economy for eight years. You, you, can, you can spin all these numbers every, which way you want. But wouldn't you agree the best metric that tells you everything is what the Fed rate is? If the economy is really bad, they take it down to 2%. Well, our, our Fed rate has been 0% for eight years. Isn't, that's the first time that's ever happened, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, we've never seen anything like this before. The Federal Reserve, for whatever reason, brought interest rates down to zero, along with other big central banks around the world. You're at zero. And they printed a ton of money to get it down to zero. You know, frankly, it hasn't worked. At best, it's been a holding operation. But at worst, it's the dead hand that's on the economy. We don't like it. I think we need to uh, need a change. Uh, let's get back to prosperity. Do you remember the good old days when yeah. the money was flowing? When the money flows, this is America. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. As a newly minted American citizen, Mark, I'm telling you, 
native-born American. <laughs> this is a great place if you restore a little prosperity. Come on, boy. Yeah, and not, not only that, yes, people would point out, you know, when you're strong at home with a booming economy, you're strong overseas. It's one of the best foreign policy uh, moves, too. Just have a strong, booming economy. It changes everything worldwide. Obama never wanted real growth. He wanted fairness. He wanted to re-slice the pie to make it more fair. Well, he did that. But he didn't give us prosperity. He didn't give us growth. And largely, middle America suffered from his politics. The top 20% of income earners, the elite on the upside, they did very well out of his trade policies, out of, the, uh, out of his uh, policies on the economy. They're doing just fine. And poor people were relatively well supported. But the people in the middle, that, that 60% of America, that's middle America, they stood still. And many of them slid backwards. And many of them think that that American dream, which I've been a part of in my lifetime, many of them got to think that, you know, maybe we're not going to be able to make it better for our children. And that's a terrible thing. When middle America becomes discontented like that, you've got a deep-seated political movement, and out it comes in the form of Donald Trump. Yeah. That's what happened in this election. You know, uh, Hillary always talked about breaking the glass ceiling, which would be good for, you know, to have a woman. But this was a more important glass ceiling to break, which is getting a private sector business guy into government. But is this going to work? A guy with no government experience? They're not going to go for his uh, under-budget, uh, ahead-of-schedule stuff. They're not used to that in Washington. Well, look, he's conducting himself in a very unusual way. This is a presidential style that we have not seen before. He's conducting the country like he's the chairman of the board and his cabinet are the board members. He decides policy. The cabinet members do it and get on with it. Um, it's a very new style. We're not used to this. It's a bit like Ronald Reagan. Reagan used to take the position. He made the big decisions. He was a big picture guy. He left it to his cabinet to implement and execute. I think Trump is somewhat similar. He's not a micromanager, I don't think. I think he's a big picture guy and a negotiator. Yeah. Uh, that's a very important thing. Well, he's a little of both. He's a big picture guy, but he does, uh, you know, for years he'd walk around the job sites, he'd check everything himself. He, could, he went to Trump Tower at 6 in the morning, you could see him going through the lobby, the men's room, the ladies' room, checking everything, uh, just to make sure it gets done. Well, don't, don't you feel that the mood has changed? Yeah. I mean, I think America had a pretty negative, divisive mood for much of the last three, four, five, six, seven years. I mean, uh, it just didn't feel like we were together and moving forward. But along comes Donald Trump, and in the space of 10 or 11 days, I, I do detect a mood shift. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm cheering on the guy that I supported. Maybe so. But I just feel we've turned a corner, opened a new page, going in a different direction. I think it's a very, very positive thing. And uh, frankly... I'm having the time of my life, Mark. <laughs> really. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, I, I'd, I'd arrived in America in the 1970s. By the early 1980s, I, was an, uh, I had uh, my wife, we had two children, another one on the way. And then along comes Ronald Reagan and gives me a whopping great big tax cut. And all of a sudden, I see the way clear forward. I can, I can join this American dream, jump on that train and live. And I did. And it was wonderful. Now, along comes, I mean, and I see a somewhat similar change. 
a shift, a new mood, one of expansion, an optimism. And, you know, that to me is what America is all about. I've always felt that. America is the land of opportunity, vigor, dynamism, optimism. Tomorrow is going to be better than today. I think we're back to that feeling. And I hope Donald Trump can deliver on all of the things that he said he's going to do. And I think he can do it. He's got a Republican Congress. I think he can do what he said he was going to do. If he cuts taxes and deregulates the way I think he can and will, we'll have growth and prosperity return to America, and that's a wonderful thing. Uh, Stuart Varney, you hope he can deliver? I've been watching this guy for 30 years. When did he ever not meet a goal that he set? <laughs> do you remember when he renovated, I think it was the ice rink, the ice skating rink in Central yeah. Park? Do you remember that? Yep. He came in, took over the project, built it under time, under budget, because he said he could do it, and he did. And I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, he. Uh, you're going to see a lot of that going on. Well, everybody watch Varney and Company. It's on the Fox Business uh, Network uh, every weekday morning. at. Uh, it, when, it starts at 10, right? It's at uh, 9 uh, Eastern oh, until that's a, 12 noon. 9 to noon. All right, okay, 9 yeah, to three I'm hours all mixed up. I don't know. <laughs> Could you move it? You're on the air against me here in New York. It's killing me. I, I'm, I, would, I would like to, Mark, but the ratings are very good in this time slot, so yes. just staying where we are. He is wiping out the competition. It's the best show, uh, Varney and Company, on the Fox uh, Business Network. Uh, watch it every morning, every weekday morning. And Stuart Varney, thanks for being with us. Welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Sean, just taking a day off. We've got uh, lots to talk about this hour. Now, this, I think we can all agree, this was the most amazing election of our lifetime. We've never seen anything like this, this movement. Where did it start? How did it begin? It uh, really began for me. It's uh, 10, 15 years ago. I'd be watching Lou Dobbs every night talk about this, this middle class that had been forgotten about, these trade agreements that sent our jobs away. Uh, he was not only talking about it every night, writing books, Independence Day and other great books about this forgotten middle class. The system is rigged. Donald Trump says he watched it, read those books. That's part of what uh, started all this. Well, we have the, uh, the, uh, the Ben Franklin of all the pioneer of all this. He's got the arrows in him to prove it. Lou Dobbs, of course, is on every night on uh, the Fox Business Network, 7 o'clock. It's one of the best shows on television. Lou Dobbs, how are you? Well, I'm great, Mark. Great to be with you. You were the Paul Revere <laughs> I'm, I'm taking up two uh, two great uh, characters here, Paul Revere and Ben Franklin. Well, I love it. You uh, and you took a lot of heat back then. I remember 60 Minutes doing a piece. What is it? How could he say this? And uh, uh, but uh, obviously Donald Trump uh, believed in you and carried the. Did you ever think you'd live to see somebody actually take this all the way to the White House? You know, Mark. I, you know, I think there's. You have to kind of hope it, uh, that it'll happen. But all you can do in the in the arena of ideas is keep pressing the ideas. I, I, as you well know, I have been an advocate for the middle class, the working men and women in this country, small business people, my entire career. Uh, and I just could not see. I mean, this thing has gone on much longer than I dreamed possible uh, because I thought that there would be a revolution much sooner, and that people would say, "No more. You're just not going to take away America from." from Americans, and uh, that's unfortunately what we saw happen. Uh, it, the, the idea that the middle class today is just about 15% smaller than it was uh, 15 years ago is, is stunning, and that the household net worth in this country is precisely where it was in 1996. I mean, you know, thank God for Donald Trump is all I can say. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, but people may not remember there was a lot of uh, pushing for you to run for something back then. Uh, did you ever think about it, or did you think to yourself, oh, my God, they'll tear me apart, this New York Times, this Washington Post? <laughs> well, I knew they would tear me apart because they were already tearing me apart. And I have to say, you know, one of the things, and Sean and I have sort of you know, given each other, uh, you know, fist bumps as we pass in the hallways around here, because Donald Trump has the guts, he has the resources, he has the intellect, the uh, and just the plain panache to get it done. I mean, he has been an extraordinary figure. I mean, as the saying goes, I, I truly believe we've seen nothing yet. Yeah. But he's already done, and he's just he's 60 days away, 62 days away from taking the oath of office. He's already having an immense impact. Now, uh, every night, if you put on Lester Holt or that uh, whoever that CBS Evening News is, you find out the Trump team is in turmoil, it's chaos, everybody's a racist, everybody's this, <laughs> then you have to wait till 7 o'clock. You put on Lou Dobbs tonight. To please tell me what really happened, and you find out it's a whole different scenario. What do we do about it? We've lost our mainstream media. Yeah, you know, and I say good riddance. I've had a belly full of the New York Times, the Washington Post. Uh, I mean, in these entertainment networks posing as news, the, the reality is that they have decided to be irrelevant, and so they are. The marketplace will work. The more they offend more Americans, uh, the more they offend uh, just any decency and common sense, the more they more irrelevant yet they will become. Yeah. Uh, I think it's all up to them. If they continue to lie, cheat, and steal, uh, they're going to be uh, you know, dismissed from the public arena. Yeah. We're talking Lou Dobbs. Now, uh, Mitt Romney is going to come visit Donald Trump tomorrow. If you were Donald Trump, would you offer him something? Well, I would have offered him something long ago for the way he treated Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean a oh. job. <laughs> Uh, me, I wouldn't even want to be in the same room with the way the man <laughs> acted. Uh, I've got to tell you, I, just how, and I think you may know because we've been friends a long time, uh, but I am uh, I'm a very sorry, shallow, petty person because if a person treated me the way Mitt Romney did, I would not be, as it seems possible for Donald Trump, to be ascending towards sainthood. I would want my hands around, well, anyway. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as generous of heart. Uh, but you know, when you go into government, you got to do that. It's like when the President Obama and Donald Trump, you got to do that stuff. That's the other reason I never ran for <laughs> office. I'm just not a big enough hearted fellow. I just oh, these well, folks, you know, politicians, professional politicians, just I'm, there's something about them that offends me, and I and I can't disguise it. I can't, you know, I haven't figured out the grin and nod that'll get yeah. me through unnoticed. Well, clearly Romney has a smart guy, he has some talent, but is it your thinking, and you're probably right, that if your guy double-crossed you, stabbed you in the back sometime, you can't have him around. He'll do it again at some point. Well, I think there's that. And I also think if the guy isn't smart enough to understand how smart Donald Trump is, how capable he is, and didn't understand his potential to become president of the United States, how good is his judgment going to be anyway? <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Uh what would you have you followed uh, Michael Moore the last two weeks? He has been running around yelling at Democrats, uh, uh, and, and he's taken a lot of what you've been saying. He said you've ignored the middle class, you've ignored the workers. Yeah, you, you, the system is rigged, and you've got to fix this. Well, you know, Michael Moore finally, you know, started listening to Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, and the the re, again, the reality is Michael Moore is an offensive fellow, uh, and just because he gets lucky and lands on an issue. 
uh, <laughs> after Donald Trump has taken all of the heat and fought, you know, these immense battles to win the presidency. I, I'm not impressed by Michael Moore because I also know uh, what he is ideologically and what he has done. Or he favors the working man and woman in this country and the family. Uh, you know, I'll be glad to buy him a hot dog and a beer. <laughs> uh, beyond like... that, I, you know, the fellow offends me. You know, and this is a you know we're a country now where if you're offended, you know you you take back the hot dog and the beer. You don't <laughs> deal with it. Well, but the good point of uh, I guess all this is Democrats are now so bad they need Michael Moore to sit him down and talk some sense into them. Well, golly, I mean, Mark, look at what the Democratic Party has done. Obama has lost uh, more seats in state legislatures, state houses. He has lost all of these seats now. Uh, in, in the Senate, uh, this is the concluding, uh, you know, ballot on the uh, the Obama presidency. He has been a historical disaster. We're talking about the worst shape in a, over a hundred years for Democrats, and they keep clucking and talking to each other like, "Hey, isn't he a great historic figure?" <laughs> no, he's not. He hasn't done anything except uh, try to disassemble the greatest uh, constitutional republic uh, in the history of the world. It's he is an I'm not going to wait two more months to tell you the truth yeah. about Barack Obama. He has been a disaster. Do you know that there are so few state houses, legislatures controlled by Democrats? And I think it's twelve or thirteen. Right. If they lose one more, they would not be able to stop a constitutional amendment. Yeah. Well, yes. And I, to me, the the record is uh, on liberalism and this this fantasy world that. Uh, that Obama is largely responsible for creating, uh, that progressivism is back and it's important and it's changing and it's world changing. It's changing. All right. Uh, Donald Trump is here now to save, uh, uh, this, this great nation of ours. Uh, and it's going to take a lot of hard work, someone with his capacity, his talent and his energy to do it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't think of another person who could even meet the challenge, let alone overcome it. And I'm very hopeful Precisely because Donald Trump is the president-elect. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm reading the New York Times just to get back to them for a moment. I find out horrible things about Rudy Giuliani. Do you know he once charged the college a hundred thousand dollars for a speech? Oh boy, <laughs> that's, that's, that's two hundred thousand better than what Hillary Clinton did. <laughs> she hit three hundred, I think, out in California. Four hundred times she did that. But the New York Times found this, and this is their big issue of the day. Uh, yeah, it, it, the Times is trying to give a new definition to pathetic, <laughs> uh, and, and they are succeeding. They truly are. Well, everybody watch Lou Dobbs tonight. Tonight at uh, 7 o'clock, uh, you have uh, been the leader of this movement for a long, long, long time, uh, and everybody, you got to give him credit for starting this many, many, many years ago. And who You're knows? Very if, kind, my friend. I appreciate it. Who knows if this would have happened if you hadn't been fighting this fight for all those years? Well, thank God we didn't have to find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, watch Lou Dobbs tonight, seven o'clock, Fox Business Network, every weeknight. Thanks for being with us. Thank, thanks so much, Mark. Great all to right. be with you. Take care. Uh, you forget he took a lot. You know, like they say, the pioneers take all the arrows. He had a lot of arrows hit him in all those years, and Donald Trump was watching. And luckily, this all happened. Now, you know, another guy that was behind all of this. Pat Cadell, I used to have him on my show three, four years ago. He kept saying, there's going to be a revolution. Uh, the workers are going to rise up. I said, what do you mean? You mean like a violent revolution? He said, it could be if somebody doesn't come along. So he'll be with us at the bottom of the hour. And then Ann Coulter coming up in the in the next hour. Hey, we'll take some calls in a minute. 800 
941-SEAN is the number. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Slick Willie out of the White House? Yes. Then join us here three hours a day for the latest updates on the road to 2016. Sean Hannity is on right now. Hey, welcome back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. Mark Simone here for Sean. Normally, I'm on our big uh, flagship here in New York, WOR, in the mornings from 10 to noon. And uh, you want to email me, go to MarkSimone.com. Getting a lot of email here. Alinda, everybody is talking about the Tiffany call. That wasn't actually your name, though, right? It was Tiffany. And uh, they love that call. She's one of the snowflakes. You know, all the little snowflakes are upset. They're crying they can't uh, eat. They can't sleep. They're all, all the snowflakes are upset about what's happening here in this country. So she called to say she's very, very worried if Trump's going to bring back all these companies and create all this business, all these new companies and factories. She's worried it's going to cause pollution. And uh, I've got more email about that than any other call today. They love that. Now, to all the little snowflakes out there. Don't worry. Just stay calm. Everything will be okay. We went through this in New York when Rudy Giuliani was elected mayor in 1993. I remember all the same thing. They were screaming. He was a racist. He was a homophobe. He was a thisophobe, a thatophobe. Uh, and it was going to be awful. And he was going to lock everybody up. And uh, it goes on for about a year. It happened with Reagan, too. It'll go on for the whole first year. But what happened, especially with Giuliani, they started to notice, whoa, wait a minute, crime is down 20%. Uh-oh. Crime is down 30%, and then it was down 60%, then it was down 70%. All of a sudden, Times Square was cleaned up. Everything was cleaned up, and it really, really made a difference. So by the end of the first year, uh, people could see the progress. And uh, is this just happening? Oh, okay. All right. Um, now, oh, that's one thing you got to bear in mind. Uh, the other thing is, well, actually, we'll take some calls. We're, you know, Mitt Romney is going to meet. Uh, tomorrow, with uh, with uh, pre- I still can't get used to saying it. President-elect Trump. <laughs> it's just hard to believe. I mean, it's great. But uh, let's go to uh, Bernie in uh, Baton Rouge. Bernie, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Thank you for taking the call, Mark. Uh, yeah. First off, I want to mention that uh, the United States Marshal Service lost a uh, a member today, uh, Patrick Perrotis. Yeah, early this morning, Deputy U.S. Marshal was shot and killed. It, was, it took place in Georgia. And yeah, my heart's heavy. Uh, we lost the Deputy Marshal here in Baton Rouge back in March of 2015. I told you well. I can just uh, I can feel for the family and his coworkers and uh, members of the team there that uh, it's a heavy loss. And uh, my heart goes out to them. I thought some prayers. All right, well, a very good call, Bernie. And it, you know, it was a terrible situation. He was trying to arrest a guy with a long history of targeting police. That's one of the things that helped push Trump uh, over the line, this targeting of police, this anti-police attitude. People are sick of it. Let's go to uh, Nathan in Virginia. Nathan, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Mark Simone, how you doing, man? Good. What's going on, Nathan? 
Oh, I'm listening here from WLNI 105.9. Oh, really? you got a radio now. Oh, my, oh my goodness gracious. We have the best two uh, radio show talk show hosts in the morning, uh, Janet Rose and Larry Dowdy. Oh, yeah, pretty good, yeah. Yeah, it's a great show. But anyways, I was calling because I wanted to talk about, uh, I hope Romney's meeting with Trump goes really bad tomorrow. And Why? I hope, I hope Trump redecides uh, re- to pick someone else. Um to be honest with you, Secretary of State, that is a big deal. That's well. Wait a minute. We don't. We don't know that's what it is. It could be Secretary of Commerce. Well, if you know what you know, what Trump's strategy is right now. Why he's doing this with Romney? Why? He's uh, reaching out as a olive branch to all the Never Trumpers and the Rhino Republicans. This will this will satisfy their uh, desire for power if they put. The number one Republican who won against Obama, who they uh, you know what I don't I don't know that he's worried about reaching out to the establishment. I, I don't know if that's really the problem, and I don't know if he even cares about that. Uh, you know, just, listen, we don't know what happened. This could have been Romney pleading for a meeting. I'm sure a guy like Mitt Romney could find himself twelve friends of his who are very close to Donald Trump, and if he worked on them, they might have pleaded with Trump, give the guy a meeting, let him come meet with you, look important. It could be that. It could be that. It could be that Trump said, let's get Mitt Romney in here. Let's make it public. Fly him in for a meeting and then offer him nothing. <laughs> Let him talk for a half hour. And then we say to him, do you think I was going to offer you something? <laughs> Tell me again how I'm a charlatan. I'm a huckster. I'm a con man. <laughs> do you know uh, one guy who has almost no history of bankruptcy is Donald Trump. He's had 578 companies. I think four went bankrupt. It was all the same thing. It was Atlantic City. It wasn't even him. The whole town went bankrupt. That's a bankruptcy rate of 0.3%. You know that Romney has a bankruptcy rate of 22%. He's had 15 of his companies go bankrupt. Remember when he made that speech about Trump going bankrupt? He had one of his companies, Sports Authority, file bankruptcy during the speech, literally. While he was talking, one of his companies filed bankruptcy. Anyway, when we come back, Pat Cadell will be with us. He predicted all all of this and we'll talk to him next mark simone here for sean Sean Hannity is broadcasting now on over 500 radio stations around the world. And now, here's Sean. Oh, my God. I didn't know this was on 500 stations. Oh, I'm going to get nervous now. Talking. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Uh, Sean will be back on Monday. Hey, uh, uh, Pat Cadell has done everything. Pollster, campaign manager. I mean, he's the smartest guy when it comes to running for president couple of years ago, it must have been three, four years ago, he'd come on my show and he'd start telling me about a revolution is coming, uh, that people are going to take their country back. I said, what, what do you mean? It could be violent. He goes, could be, could be. He predicted everything, and he's on the line right now. Pat Cadell, how you doing? Well, I got to say, Mark, like you feel, I'm so excited to finally get on Sean's show that, it'll put me, <laughs> that, I, that you're on so I can be on Sean's program. The, well, uh, Sean loves funny, you. We all uh, love you. I uh, know, but uh, you thank you. No, it's been pretty remarkable, huh? Um, okay, but let's go back. I remember it was like three, four years ago. You kept saying a revolution yeah. is coming. The the middle of America, the middle, they're going to take their country back. 
And I remember I said to you once, you mean violent? He said, could be. If it doesn't happen politically, it'll happen. And didn't, didn't you go talk to Donald Trump at some point and tell him all this? Well, I've talked to Donald about it, yes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a subject I have written on, talked about. We've been doing these surveys on Candidate Smith for uh, some time. And, uh, and I've also been, um, you know, on my show on Political Insiders on Fox. Yeah, it's on Sunday nights, Sundays right? with Doug Schoen and John Labuti. We've been promoting this for several years. As I have said, in, uh, four, four or five years ago, we are in a pre-revolutionary moment, and then we progress to a more revolutionary moment. And it has been based on this research that the late Lee Hanley, who just died last week, oh, I didn't know that possible yeah. by telling me just to go out and test my hypothesis. And we've been doing in-depth polling as opposed to just horse race or predisposed, um, what I call confirmation bias polling that the media does and everyone else. Um, and we went out to find out what American people were thinking in some, de- in some depth, and we found out. And the alien levels, as you and I have discussed before, of alienation, there was a piece that people want to see it that I wrote Monday before the election on Fox.com. was called, uh, I think it was um, uh, the, the real November surprise question mark, the uprising of the American people. And where I laid out what I now thought would happen was developing over the week, over the last week in the campaign, which was particularly among people who didn't like both candidates, which was the race was now turning to what people felt. Donald Trump was the agent of change. Hillary Clinton was the agent of the status quo. He was the agent of the political class, and people viewed him as the enemy of the political class. And those were going to drive the results. That's what... I saw it the minute I saw the exit polls, uh, which I knew had were not right on the surface. They never are. But looking in depth, there was a question. The people who, on, on, uh, who were in the exit polls on Tuesday afternoon, about 530, who had uh, already been uh, uh, drawn in, um, those who disliked both candidates were now voting for Trump by 15 points or so more than Hillary. It would grow to more than 20 by time everything came in. So that is the group that made the election. Yeah. And they voted on what they believed they wanted to take their country back. So and what it, we have had is what I believe is the real battle, paradigm battle between the political class and the media, mainstream media, which is believed that it is their, um, their, um, <clears throat> that they're uh, right by a divine right to govern the American people and to, treat them like they are their servants and the american people for whom this country has always been built on their ultimate sovereignty that they meant to reassert their sovereignty they meant to retake their country back yeah and that they have done so and that they would do the best vehicle they could find donald trump might not have been the best vehicle but he was the only vehicle and that's the one they went for and this is um and that is an important aspect of this and my larger point is this isn't just the be- the end. This is just the beginning. You know, there's an old We are se- going to see, as I have said to you, yeah. over the past two years, um, we are seeing a new political paradigm that uh, our Smith, uh, We Need Smith project, the uh, candidate Smith polling, has shown. And that uh, we are, this is just the beginning. We are going to, we have a new political paradigm. We will see a re- new configuration of politics. 
whether Trump succeeds or fails, if he succeeds, he may redesign American politics. Hey, but pack it up. If wouldn't, he fails, wouldn't you... which I believe is uh, Steve Bannon's desire is yeah. to, is to uh, follow up because he's a great advocate of this. Um, or, and if he fails, it'll be somebody else. But wouldn't you the agree? The Democratic Party will have to come to grips with the rise in its own party in a rigged system. Not, let me just stop. Can you imagine that? I don't know a prominent Democrat ever who said in, in 2015 and 16, what are we doing car, uh, coronating Hillary Clinton to be the nominee? What is wrong with us with all the baggage and all going on? Not one of them, because they're all involved in it. Well, they also the have no, they have no Democratic bench. Party and the new vote. Who are they going to get? Rose up, but they had rigged it sufficiently, and as we now learn from WikiLeaks, really rigged it. Yeah. The media too to make sure that Hillary Clinton was delivered. But who are they going to get? They uh, have no bench. They have nobody no. else. Well, I'm sorry. They have nobody else. They have no bench. Who else? There is no Democrat they could get. Well, that's true. The bench does not exist. Yeah. That who's the they can thank Barack Obama for that. Yeah, Barack Obama has made himself successful and has done it by throwing the Democratic Party all the way down to the legislative seats in the under the bus. Yeah. Now, will Donald Trump be able to get things done? Will the old uh, Washington Guard? Will they block him? Will they fight him? What will these lobbyists do? We will find out as we get to the real where the rubber hits the road: trade issues and immigration. And, uh, and other economic issues. And if he is fighting for that and they're standing in his way, then what he will have to do is go to the country to get more people elected who support him, who will fight for him and fight for that agenda. His ability to articulate that and to convince people, he's got a difficult road to hold because you don't turn everything over overnight. It is a process, what has to be done, but we've got some issues that are really important and they're right there. And that is what, where, as I said, the rubber will hit the road. Yeah. Now, what does he do about the... Right now, I think people are terrified of it. They should be. None of them expected it. Yeah. But also, you got all all the mainstream media, New York Times, NBC, everybody printing all these horror stories that they make up all day. It's frightening everybody. What does he do about that? Well, he's got to be, by his own performance, will overcome that. And at some point, his people and he have to advocate, have to make the case that these people... Uh, what I'm saying about them today, well, I think I was quoted um, uh, this morning uh, saying and about CNN and others, uh, you know, the, the, we've replaced Samuel Johnson's last uh, refuge of the scoundrel <laughs> is, uh, is patriotism, and the last refuge of the scoundrel is racism. <laughs> and uh, that's what they do. They just accuse everyone of everything because they, could, they cannot grasp what's happening with the peasants how the peasants have decided that they are not going to be led, led around by the nose anymore, by their betters who have failed America, failed the country, and threatened their children's future. Well, and if they want to have, if they can't get this message, they'll get it another way. Yeah. Well, Pat, this may be the beginning of that battle. Pat Cadell, you said it three years ago, four years ago, you were saying this. Uh, and you were absolutely right. Everybody can watch you uh, Sunday night on Fox, right? Seven o'clock. Well, we're off this Sunday, but uh, hopefully, right after Thanksgiving, we'll be back. All right, it's a really good we're show. Taking a break every uh, every Sunday night. Pat Cadell, thanks for being with us. My my pleasure, Mark. All Great. right, thank you. Take care. But no, hey, he was there years ago saying this. I know Donald Trump used to go consult with him and talk to him uh, without uh, Lou Dobbs starting this movement, without Pat Cadell 
pushing it. Who knows what would have happened. Uh, Ann Coulter will be with us later. Now, do you know, we could go back. Uh, actually, wait, let's do it right now. Let's go back. Do you have this audio? Listen to this. This is amazing. This is like a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. Trump had just come down that escalator. She's on that Bill Maher crazy uh, HBO uh, nut job liberal show with that crazy liberal audience. This is uh, like three weeks into the primaries. Trump is a brand new candidate. They ask who could win. Listen to Ann Coulter. Here we are. And which Republican candidate <clears throat> has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. <laughs> Well, what about of all of them? I mean, is Scott fake Walker. laughter from the audience. Um, <laughs> Scott Walker, would you say? Of, of the, the ones who aren't declared, no, I'm Romney Walker's my ticket. Romney Walker. See, yeah, now that was pretty amazing. The audience roaring. I, you, I, you, if you see the video, they cut to the other guests, that uh, goofy Joy Reid, that MSNBC loon. Watch her face. Her mouth drops open. She can't believe that anybody would embarrass themselves in public to even say this, that Donald Trump could win. So there were a lot of us that were out there from the beginning, from the escalator ride, although I, just to be honest, I always thought he could win. But I think in the first two weeks I kept saying, I don't think he's really going to, I don't know if he'll really run. I just didn't think, I mean, I knew he would take all kinds of flack. I mean, he even said uh, a couple of months ago, he said, I knew they would hit me hard. I knew they'd go after my family. I had no idea it would be this bad, this ugly, this vicious. He was in front of an audience in Michigan, and I remember he looked at him. He said, I'll take these hits for you because this has to be done. And if you think about it, who else would have stood, withstood all of that uh, and won? Uh, anyway, we'll take some calls in a minute. 800-941-SEAN is the number. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Mark Simone NY at Twitter. Uh, at Instagram, Mark Simone NY at Instagram. In fact, we have a couple of good studio pictures up there. Uh, take a look at that. We'll take some calls in a minute. 800 941 Sean is the number. He never stops working for the good of the country. Hannity's on with behind the scenes information on today's breaking news. And bold, inspired solutions for America every day. Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Uh, normally I'm on uh, WOR, our big flagship station here in New York from uh, 10 to noon. I'm uh, filling in for Sean today. We're high above Rockefeller Center. Look down there. That's where that Christmas tree is going to go. They're already bringing it. I can't stand this. You go in these stores, they got Christmas decorations up. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. Let's take some calls. Let's go to uh, Dan in Missouri. Dan, thanks for hanging on. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, the liberals want to label people. Let's label them rioters as domestic terrorism. Okay, that'll stop well, it. Because I could see them out the window here and by Trump Tower over there. They're not rioters. They're, they're the little snowflakes. Well, when they start, when they start uh, destroying stuff and attacking people, they need to start being labeled as domestic terrorists. Well, and if they're if they're paid by Soros, 
then then label them as terrorism. It brings a heavier penalty. Uh, they're not good and enough I, to be terrorists. I, I don't. They don't. Uh, they're that, more like you know, a, uh, like uh, mixed up college kids. I, I uh, a couple times I've went over there. You know, I'm watching on television, and they show you this mob of protests. Remember when Trump would have a rally? They wouldn't show you the crowd. They have just a tight close up of his face. They never wanted to see how big the crowd was. As soon as there was protesters, the same TV networks are renting helicopters. They're <laughs> they're flying over to get you a long shot of the whole crowd. The crowd in front of Trump Tower. The other night I'm watching on TV. Oh, my God. I never saw such a crowd. So then I walked over there. I had to go that way anyway. I walked into the crowd. It was like maybe 50 people. They're all NYU students who had nothing to do at night. And they're just the snowflakes. You know, that's what they call them now. The little snowflakes. You know, they, why did they say that originally? Oh, because we're all individual. No two are alike. So, but they're like little snowflakes. They're all offended. They're all frightened. They're all crying. Uh, and, and listen, it's not all their fault. They read these newspapers every day that make up these stories, these fake news stories. And all of the snowflakes, you know, in colleges, they were bringing in grief counselors. University of Michigan brought in therapy dogs. They got coloring books and Play-Doh to help the little snowflakes calm down. You know, I'm looking at the New York Times. Here's a horrible story. On the transition team, they tried to get security clearance for uh, his kids, for Jared Kushner. You know, they forgot to mention in this story, they always do that on transition teams. You know why? The big thing in a transition team, the FBI does a really deep investigation on every candidate. You have to have a security clearance just to read the FBI uh, background checks. So that's why they often do that for... uh, them or i'm reading about all the foreign leaders they hate trump this is going to be awful you know he's already talked to 26 foreign leaders that have called him they all seem to be getting along with him you know when uh, president-elect obama spoke to his first foreign leader it wasn't until january 8th trump has already spoken to 26 of them who seem to love the guy uh many of them called him they wanted to talk to him and they were very productive conversations you know, you keep hearing a uh, transition team in chaos and disarray. They've already got like four nominations in the first week. Bush, Clinton, first nomination was eight weeks into the process. Obama was quick. First nomination, six weeks in. Hey, uh, we got a lot coming up in the next hour. Ann Coulter will be with us. She wrote maybe the best Trump book. You remember she wrote it uh, a few months ago. It's called In Trump We Trust. And she predicted what would happen. Now, I'm predicting in the next four months, you will see 500 of these guys write Trump books, (laughs) all to cash in and make money and act like they knew what was going on. Meantime, a week ago, they would have told you they were in that group. He has no chance. Electoral college, he can't possibly win. Uh, They always remember that. What was that whole talk about the new demographics? It's impossible. We may never have any Republican ever win again. Electorally, it's impossible. They were so happy about that electoral college that they're now (laughs) trying to get rid of. So we got a lot coming up in the next hour. Don't go away. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Hey, it's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Uh, normally I'm uh, on here in New York, our big flagship, WOR, 10 to noon. Uh, and Hillary's saying, I thought maybe I would never leave the house again. Now, what do you think uh, Bill Clinton thinks about that? <laughs> How do you think that would affect Bill Clinton's activities? You think he might be saying the Secret Service guy, what the hell are we going to do? we got to get her out of here. Uh, what would he do? Would he get? Uh, he'd have to get like a separate house somewhere uh, a couple of miles away for his, uh, well, whatever he likes to spend his time doing. 
Uh, we'll take some calls. 800-941-SEAN is the number. Uh, throughout the program today, we've been looking back at the origins of this whole Trump campaign. Uh, Lou Dobbs in the early 2000s began talking about the middle class and how they'd been forgotten and all of that. And Pat Cadell was saying a revolution was coming. But I think I found where Trump stole stole his uh, message from. There was a guy in 1995, uh, this racist, anti-immigrant platform. He took it from this guy. Listen to this racist, anti-immigrant guy. Not 19, only 19, all Americans, all Americans. Not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. You hear that? Yeah, hear that racist, anti-immigrant, xenophobic guy. Thank God we never had a guy like that as president talking about uh, sealing the border and uh, deporting people. And uh, what was he saying? The illegal aliens are taking our jobs and they could be criminals and we have to deport them. Thank God we never had a guy like that in the White House. That's Bill, I know it's hard to believe. That's Bill Clinton, 1995. If you want to see the video, it's up on, I have it on my Twitter, Mark Simone NY at Twitter. Uh, and that's his, you know where he said that? State of the Union speech. You hear the Democrats applauding? Unbelievable. We've got to get rid of these immigrants. They're taking our jobs, the criminals. The, all, watch the video. You see all the, they keep cutting the Democrats. Clapping. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. As soon as Trump said it, oh, a racist, a xenophobe, a thisophobe, a thatophobe. It's un, hey, there's another one I have up on Twitter. This is my favorite piece of the week. 60 Minutes went to Sweden to film the refugees. They wanted to show you how wonderful the refugees are. Watch this piece. In the middle of the piece, they get attacked and robbed by the refugees. <laughs> uh, I think they edited it before. You think I'm kidding. It happened. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, what will happen when Donald Trump meets with Mitt Romney tomorrow? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is he offering him something? You know, there was Ted Cruz in Trump Tower yesterday. And everybody said, Ted Cruz? But then I remembered Kellyanne Conway, Trump campaign manager, great, great job that she's done, was a uh, very close to Ted Cruz. Uh, I think she ran a super PAC for him. She's a good friend of Ted Cruz. I think she brokered that meeting. You got that uh, Mercer family, big, 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 big donors. They love Trump. They have a good relationship, as they do with Ted Cruz. I think that meeting was brokered. You know, you got to bring Ted in. Uh, let him be seen coming in. I think that's what that was all about. It may, it may offer him a job, but I think that's what that was all about. I have a feeling that's what the Mitt Romney thing was all about. And I'm sure they got a lot of big mutual friends who said, just let him come in and meet with you. It makes him look important. It makes him look like he's possibly being considered. 
That's what you do. And Trump is very good at calming these people down. You remember the meeting with Barack Obama was scheduled for 15 minutes. Just 15 minutes. It was ironclad. 15 minutes. And I remember telling everybody, hour and a half. He'll be in there an hour and a half. Sure enough, hour and a half. Because I, I, I've seen what he does in these meetings. He, he's very good at this. He comes in as a whole different person. He comes in he, very respectful. And it's a whole different body language. His head is down. Look at the pictures of him with uh, President Obama. His head is kind of bowed a little. He's very respectful. And he's got an amazing ability to, in the first 10 minutes, figure out everything you want in life. <laughs> and then for the next hour, he kind of lets you know that he will be providing that for you more than anybody else. Now, what does a guy like President Obama want? Uh, he's been telling his friends he wants to make a fortune when he leaves office. Trump could easily... Uh, Help pave the way on that. There's a lot of guys he knows that would hire President Obama or put him on the board or do something. Uh, President Obama needs to look like he's still a major figure in government. So Trump probably said to him, I don't know if I could ask you this. Would you mind if I ever needed you? Would you come to the White House? Consult me. Uh, give me counsel. Now, Obama would love that. Love to be seen coming to the White House every month like he's still got total access. You remember at the end of the meeting when they spoke to the press? Donald Trump said that. He said he's offered to give me counsel. Uh, he's good at that. You remember Chris Christie attacking him, calling him every name in the world? Then a week later, you see Chris Christie standing behind him like a puppy dog, doing whatever he wants. He's, he's very good at that. So if you see uh, Mitt Romney by next week uh, standing behind him, nodding, whatever you want, Mr. Trump, he's, he's very good at putting these people to work. Uh, now, it's very tough. Anytime you pick up the New York Times, the Washington Post, they keep telling you all these things that this makes it sound horrible. Uh, but then you start to realize, you know, like they said, uh, this is awful, this Rudy Giuliani, this guy took $100,000 from a college for a speech. What kind of person does that? But then I'm looking at Hillary Clinton. There was 300000 and it wasn't once. It was uh, 15 times a week, every week for four years, till finally she bankrupted every college. It was no more money to take. Uh, and then they said, uh, Giuliani, he's, he's had business all over the world. This is horrible. And then I'm looking it up. I said, wait a minute, millions of secretaries of state had business all over the world. John Foster Dulles, with the most beloved figure, they named the airport after him. He had business all over the world. He was an international lawyer before he took office. That's one of the reasons he took office. He already knew every leader, every country, he knew what was going on. You know, Giuliani and his... Uh, business over the last 15 years, has been in 80 countries working with different governments, meeting with world leaders all the time. Uh, this was a good thing up until a week ago. Now it's a bad thing. Now we don't like it. Uh, do you remember when President Obama was running, the New York Times, the Washington Post, kept pointing out, he, he's on Twitter. He knows how to use Twitter. They were bragging. This is a candidate who's using Twitter, unlike these other old candidates. He's on Twitter. Now it's a bad thing. So, uh and the racist stuff, there's an old saying in Washington, uh, racist is what a liberal calls you when they're losing the argument. So take it as a compliment. Uh, let's take some calls. Let's go to uh, Sherry in Colorado. Hey, Sherry. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Um, I've actually been trying to get hold of the show for about three days. I've just been... Wow, well, I hope you've been taking time out for meals and sleeping. <laughs> Well, I do it when I wait in line to pick up my kids from school. But the thing is, is that, you know, you played that Ann Coulter clip, and I wanted to say, you know, she is such a strong woman for standing up for her beliefs. And 
Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it really gets to me that, you know, um, there's people like her that are far and few between. And, you know, I was just so proud of her. And that's really got to be a hard thing to do, to be ridiculed by so many people, you know. And she was right the whole time. And she said it with such conviction and strength. And I'm really, really proud of her because, you know, there's just been so much going on in this country. And a lot of people say that they've been benefiting from Obama's presidency. And I could say for myself, that's not true. You know, I worked for a company that, um, you know, I'm a very loyal employee and I've stuck through uh, good times and bad times. And, you know, um, unfortunately, it was a very liberal-based company. And after 13 years, I was abruptly fired. And I kept my political opinions to myself because I have heard my boss violate um, people's civil rights because of their political beliefs. And so, you know... Um, it, I didn't benefit at, through all the years of Obama. I just noticed that my pay was, you know, I my pay suffered because of the, the Obama era. And it got to the point to where I couldn't even make a living wage. Yeah. And they wanted more and more for less and less. Now, Sherry, I heard you uh, getting very emotional there. And the reason was... You've been going through all this, and you're not alone, and millions and millions of people have, and you felt like there was nobody, nobody fighting for you anymore. You could see the Democrats didn't care. Uh, you could see Washington didn't care. And you felt when you see it like an Ann Coulter or a Donald Trump, they're not only fighting for you, they're taking a lot of crap for it. And they're willing, well, you, they're willing to take true. those hits and, and keep going. It's true. You know, I'm in my mid-50s, and I'll tell you, I've, I have watched – the Democrats do things that for years that were unethical, even as, you know, I was born and raised in California. And I'll tell you, when I was in high school and I turned 18, uh, my social studies teacher had, um, there was four of us in high school that were turning 18 ready to vote. And the thing was, is she, she handed out voter registration cards. And she told us, if you don't know what to put on there, put Democrat, because that's what everybody is anyway. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't fill them out for you and just have you sign them. But- exactly. And that was in the early 1980s. I voted for Reagan, and yeah. that was my first vote. And ever since then, I felt like I had to vote for the lesser of two evils. And I had gone to four rallies of Trump here in Colorado. I've never been so energized and invigorated and felt like there was hope for my children. Well, Sherry, I I know you're getting a little emotional there, but I understand. Thanks for calling, Sherry. It's a great call. You're not the only one. That's really, if you can't figure this out, if you're still mystified by what happened, that's what happened. There's a lot of people like her, tens of millions of people. I could see it in the convention. There was one moment in that speech where Trump said, right in the middle of that speech, he said, the system is rigged. And you've been forgotten about. People like Sherry kind of looked up. And then he said, I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. 
and nobody else has ever said that. Can you imagine Hillary Clinton <laughs> saying, I'm with you. You'd, I mean, you'd watch your wallet. You <laughs> wouldn't want her with you. I'm with you. She had her shirts made up. I'm with her. You're with her. But when Trump said, I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you, that is what turned the whole election. And then I saw him at a lot of rallies, in, especially in the Rust Belt. He would always look at that crowd, and he'd say, I'm with you. And then he'd talk about what they were doing to him, how they were trying to stop him, the, the unbelievable attacks on him. And he said, I'll take these hits for you. And that's why Sherry was crying a little, because never thought there'd be anybody that would go through this and take those hits for her. And uh, that's why that's what happened. If you if you can't figure out what happened in this election, that's what it was. Hey, speaking of Ann Coulter, she'll be with us at the bottom of the hour. It's Mark Simone here. One eight hundred nine four one Sean is the number. One eight hundred nine four one Sean. We'll take some more calls in just a moment. You're tired of government overreach and Big Brother watching your every move. Now it's time to take back America. This is the Hannity Show. Hey, it's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Ann Coulter will be with us in just a few minutes. Let's take a call or two. Let's go to uh, Alabama. Mike, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Hi, Mark. Uh, great to be here. Thanks. Uh, I was calling in. Um, I knew Ann Coulter, you know, was brilliant and beautiful, uh, but didn't know that she was one of the bravest people in the world. Um, you mentioned about the talk show she was on before. Yeah. Where she defended Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, she also attended or was attended the uh, Comedy Central roast of Rob Lowe, where she was oh, one yeah, of the that was, uh, Yeah, they, yeah. you know, she uh, was on this big Comedy Central roast. She's not the roastee. There was somebody else, but right. yeah, these Hollywood liberals all making fun of She's terrible. She's this. She's that. Could you imagine them doing that to a liberal? Absolutely. It, was, it was terrible. And as soon as I saw her up there, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to destroy her. And uh, and she sat there. She took it with a smile. And uh, when she got her chance, I mean, she probably walked up there and not only did the did the roasting part, but she put her book on the podium front and center. Like, this is where the real world starts, people. You guys, you know, uh, and everyone out there, you could you could both, you know, see and even I could feel their arrogance and superiority through the television even. Yeah, well, um, you know, I get, you got to be like that. Mike, good call. Thanks for calling. you got to be like uh, Ann Coulter. Donald Trump's the same way. They just focus. They're laser-focused. They keep moving forward. Uh, they're like uh, like like a big uh, like army general, like Patton, like again, fire from all sides, taking more incoming. They just keep moving, keep moving forward, keep moving. They just ignore it. I don't know how she does it. I couldn't do it. Could you sit there and take that with this roast where you know they're all going to beat you up for no reason at all? But Donald Trump did it too. A couple of roasts. He was on he was on that Comedy Central roast. You can go online and see it. It's vicious, brutal. Anyway, Ann Coulter will be with us next. She's got a great book out. If you want to read a good book about Donald Trump, it's called In Trump We Trust, and uh, she'll be with us next. It's Mark Simone here for Sean. Go to my website marksimone.com. You can email me there and sign up for Twitter and all that. Ann Coulter next. 
Inspired Solutions for America. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Welcome back. It's Mark Simone here for Sean Hannity. Let me just point out, everybody is going to write a Donald Trump book now. You're going to see 50 Donald Trump books come out. But the one you want to get is the real one. It's Ann Coulter's book. It's called In Trump We Trust. It came out months ago. It's not going to be, uh, I said this was going to, she said everything before it happened. So that uh, gives it much more credibility. Uh, and of course, her website's AnnCoulter.com. Ann Coulter, how you doing? Fantastic. In Trump's America. <laughs> well, uh, now we played this clip uh, from, uh, this is the crazy Bill Maher show on HBO. Uh, you want to play it again? Just This is you a year and a half ago. One year and a half ago. Listen to this. Here we are. And which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election? Of the declared ones right now, Donald Trump. <laughs> Well, what about of all of them? I mean, right, uh, Walker, uh, you were declared absolutely, literally insane. If you watch the video, their mouth drop open. They can't believe anybody would say such a thing. What I really like about that is the fake laughter from the audience. <laughs> Only liberals can use, um, you know, a happy emotion, a spontaneous emotion like a sneeze, uh, laughter as as an aggressive weapon. You can tell it's not, it's not genuine laughter. This is how they try to ridicule and mock people. So, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. So, uh, with all their ridiculing and mocking, I think even they are starting to see, and Michael Moore is trying to explain to him, you really misread the electorate. You have no idea what's going on in the country. Yes, though I would say an important point is, I mean, I say this at the, at the end of chapter one of my book, I just want to know, is the country already over? The Democrats have been importing third-worlders to vote for them. Um, well, beginning uh, in 1970, that's when the, um, 19, Teddy Kennedy's 1965 Immigration Act kicked in, but it really went into overdrive starting in the Clinton administration, um, so I think it's important for everyone, and I hope the president-elect himself, it sure looks like, <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> he doesn't need to be tell, told anything. But um, if, if, um, if to imagine Obama were allowed to have a third t- term, if we had run this exact same election four years from now under the same immigration policies continuing under Obama, Donald Trump would have lost. This is why nothing matters but immigration. I mean, many of the mat- battleground states he, he won, he won 49-48. And, and people who live out in America know, know quite well, um, particularly in these swing states, uh, not only the Muslim refugees, but alleged refugees from Central America are being flown in. By, by the Obama administration, putting them in the swing states so that they can turn the entire country into California and Democrats will never have to think about the working class again. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm reading your column. If you go to AnnCoulter.com, you can get a column there. Uh, and you point out that Samantha B., one of those comedy central elitists, what was this? She made fun of uh, people that shop at Walmart? Oh, yeah. Don't you watch these comedy shows? No, all... I'm not going to watch Samantha B. <laughs> Well, you only need to watch one clip online. I don't watch them. Um, Comedy is no longer essential to the late-night comedy shows. No, now the new idea of comedy is to talk fast and string together a whole series of epithets, 
all at once. There's nothing humor. There's no surprise ending. There's nothing clever about it. Um, I mean, that's a great thing about Bill Maher. I will say he is at least still telling jokes. He's liberal. We disagree, though he's going to be won over by Trump like a lot of people will be once they see him in action. It's going to be great. Um, but he is at least t- telling what what a <laughs> is recognizable as a joke, whether or not you like the point of it. But but all of these, the John Oliver, Larry Wilmore, um, <laughs> Samantha Bee, it's just talk really fast and run through a string of epithets about about Donald Trump. And um, that's why I also have in the column this this modern method of of developing political opinions um, so that you don't have to know anything or read anything uh, is just to figure out what's trendy. So, so millennials and actually all liberals um, use celebrities and comedians as their personal shoppers for opinions. Um, I don't have time to know stuff. Could you please, could you please find, could you do a little shopping for me? Tell me what my opinion should be. Uh, oh, oh, I, I vomited. Yes, that looks great on me. Thanks. Um, that, that, I mean, that's what the fake laughter is about. Um, when people would go to see John Stewart, it was all just status affirmation. I'm one of the cool people. These are the opinions. These are the people we make fun of. These are the people we like. Um, it's a very strange thing. I don't remember. I don't remember comedy ever being <laughs> merely status affirming as it is today. Yeah, but the problem is that's how these false narratives start. You know, if you know Donald Trump, the one thing he does is he reads all day and night. It's like a joke. You walk into, you can see where he was sitting from all the books, papers, newspapers, and then it'll start with uh, like some liar like David Brooks. The problem is he never reads. And then John Stewart says it, and then. Colbert says it, and then it becomes a fact somehow. Um, if he doesn't read, <laughs> he's the most brilliant person who's ever lived. What was the other thing I was thinking of? Oh, I know this story in the in the book by Megyn Kelly right now, apparently about how uh, Donald Trump tried tried to poison her on her <laughs> way to the first debate. I was thinking, um, you know. If that man is clever enough to have contact with the driver, <laughs> get, getting one of the debate moderators to the debate, stop for coffee, poison her coffee, and anticipate because he has um, some sort of um, wild prognosticating abilities that she was <laughs> going to ask a question that, that would be rude and vulgar toward him, um, poison her. I am so relieved we have this guy as our president. Yeah, well... And, and Megyn Kelly did go on Twitter later and admit, uh, confess there was no truth to the poison story. Uh, first of all, if anybody tried to poison her, there'd be five million suspects the next day. <laughs> <laughs> well, so once again, we have we have evidence that um, all of the all of the celebrity celebrity books um, are not even read by them, much less written by them. You know, when I wrote, I forget which one it was, I think it was my second, my second massive New York Times bestseller, Slander, um, my editor called me up and said, congratulations, um, you're the only author on the bestsellers list who wrote her own book. Yeah. Now, uh, Ann Coulter's latest book is In Trump We Trust. If you want a Donald Trump book, this is the book to read, In Trump We Trust. But when did you start writing this? Like a year ago. How could you, uh, I mean, what if he had lost? 
Um, well, that would have been the end of the book tour, I guess. Oh. <laughs> Though, I mean, there are a lot of interesting and good points in it. Um, the Miami Herald guy asked me that. Um, he said, so what, you have a two-month book tour? It was a, a little less than two months, I think. No, it was a two-month book tour. And then if he loses, as everyone else thought he was going to, um, that's the end of it. And I said, no, it really isn't. I mean, I, I think it's the end of it because I think the country will be over. There will be no hope if someone running. And I think Donald Trump did run the perfect campaign, the campaign I've been waiting for, you know, I don't care, Republican or Democrat to run, um, on immigration, on trade deals, on not getting us involved in pointless wars anymore, um, just, just, and, and directly appealing to, to African-American voters, just on point after point, he, and skipping the media, not being beholden to donors. This is the candidate I've been waiting for. If even this campaign couldn't succeed, like I say, I'd, okay, at least I'd know. I'd stop caring about politics because that would tell me, you know, congratulations, Teddy Kennedy, you won. The only thing left to do would be to desecrate Kennedy's grave. Um, we could start a little committee of, of people on our, we could be a, hit, a right-wing hit squad um, on, on, on the people who, who destroyed America. But no, there is still time. Um, and I did think, you know, for the last remaining days of of the Republican Party, um, there are great ideas in it and how to appeal to, to Americans and what matters and how the media lies. Now, hey, there was a woman that called before. I don't know if you heard her, but this is about you personally. She said, how does, uh, where does uh, she get the strength, like, to sit through that Comedy Central roast? Or where does Donald Trump, how is he strong enough to keep taking these hits and keep going? It's a good lesson for people to learn. Oh, that's very nice of her. Um, the truth of the matter is I kind of enjoy it. Um, I mean, if they were people I respected or admired, it's not like, you know, I'm a nut or a sociopath. If my friends um, or anyone, even not my friends, people I respected uh, denounced me or told me to do something differently, it would be quite different. But as we were talking about at the beginning of this interview, um, no, these are all airhead celebrities um, who are choosing their opinions on the basis of what's trendy, yeah. um, who know nothing. Uh, and, of course, as you know, he's a Mark Simone. Um, I'm a Christian, so I don't really care what anyone Well, anyone you know me. I am quite the churchgoer. Pardon? You know me. I am quite the churchgoer. Yes, yeah. Well, you ought to come to church with me. Here. Oh, my God. She tried to drag me to church once. Was... <laughs> I did. I always do. I can't. Uh, it's when Meet the Press is on. And... <laughs> you see, I was right about you from the beginning, Simone. You are one of these New York elitists. <laughs> oh, you should see me at these parties. I was at one last night where they all said, I've been crying every night. I said, I know, I know. I just... <laughs> You gotta take me to one of those. I need something more to laugh at. <laughs> oh my god! Well, if I even say I know you, their mouth drop open. They went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I gather. You speaking of you know knowing nothing about anything. Um, so they never listen to your radio show. They have no idea that you fill in for Sean. Oh no, these are like New York yes, Times. That's, that's modern liberalism no. for you. It's all attitude. It's all about attitude. If you're right for the New York Times or Vanity Fair, the only thing you listen to is NPR and you watch MSNBC. You are in the bubble, only the echo chamber. You don't know what goes on anywhere else. Did you see my Vanity Fair interview on Trump? Yes. Uh, that was a good one, because I kept making fun of Vanity Fair readers. Yeah, what was that all about? How did they, uh, why, why were they uh, doing that? I don't know. 
know, I just, whenever they quote me accurately, you can tell it's really me. It's funny, but interviewers will, um, <laughs> will, will try to nail me by making up quotes. At least this happened a lot more early in my career. Um, and the problem is, no, it doesn't sound like me. I mean, don't worry. I'll give you plenty of material uh, <laughs> if you quote me accurately. But, but jumbling the quotes or trying to make me look stupid, people just read it and think, okay, well, we know how... We know how Howard Kearns would have put it. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we run out of time, uh, Mitt Romney is coming to meet with Trump tomorrow. What should he do? Give him a job? Well, as you know, um, soon after Trump announced, I was trying to, I was trying to achieve the peace of Westphalia, so that Romney would be. I said, endorse him early. Yeah. He's going to be the nominee. Get be an early adopter. You can be the vice president. Um, and then, you know, Romney could have done all the boring stuff like the Fed and financial regulations, and Trump could do the fun stuff like building the wall. Um, but no, no, um, Romney has to go out and really viciously attack, yeah. attack Trump. I mean, there may be things he could do. And it does show us once again something that media will never, ever give Donald Trump credit for. Um, it's always he who is reaching out to, to people who have horribly attacked him. He invited all of his rivals to come to the convention, and how do they treat him? He takes the pledge to support whomever the GOP nominee is after being, you know, browbeaten into it at that first debate. Um, and they all took the pledge in front of 20 million people, but they betrayed the pledge they had taken, leaving the Republican Party, which is now the new Trumpian Republican Party. And here he is once again reaching out to people who have viciously attacked him. Now, he's a smart guy, Romney, but I love that speech where he said, he's a charlatan and a con man. He made 20 times as much money as you have. <laughs> That's a pretty well, good con man. Disturbing. You know, I know what's disturbing to, was disturbing to me about it was everything I liked about Romney was I, that's what he was attacking Trump for. Romney had the best position on immigration until the mighty Trump. Romney used to complain about China's currency manipulation and these bad trade deals. Everything Romney was as close to 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 a Trump as we had had until until we got the the original the the the, the platonic ideal in Donald J Trump. So what, was he going to betray us? Did he believe any of that stuff? But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, the big Always meeting. trust Trump. We, in Trump, we trust. Yeah. Now, if you want to, you should read this book. This is the book on Donald Trump. Everybody's going to start writing books. Forget that. Just get In Trump We Trust by Ann Coulter, uh, and it was way ahead of its time. In Trump We Trust by Ann Coulter. You go to her website, annculter.com. You can get her column and everything there, and and Coulter, thanks for being with us. Good to talk to you, Mark Simone. Bye-bye. Right, take care. You know, since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans. Now, they are the heroes that put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Now, Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. Now, the complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye. He needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers thankfully paid off his mortgage, and they gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. His home also gives him hope. 
And with the help of people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers. This is a great mission. They support America's heroes. They're hoping all of us will donate $11 a month so this great work continues. Their website, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to four hundred bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's HenryUSA.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now, the same Hollywood that sold the American dream, they are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now, you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now, don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N.